In this episode, I answer six questions from listeners who need just a little bit of help improving their games. Welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi. This is the place for people who are willing to take action to improve their game. So thank you very much for spending some of your study time with me. If it's your first time here, welcome! And if you're back for more, hey, hey, welcome back! If you enjoyed this episode and you learned something from it, please share it with a friend. Just send them to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod292. Alrighty, let's answer some questions. So I have six questions today, so I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get to it. Gambate! This is damn exciting stuff. All right, so question one is about playing profitable poker and is from Sam G. Here's his question. I'm struggling to play more profitably. I have a one big blind per 100 hands win rate over the last 24,000 hands, and I want to do better. What's the best thing I can do for more profits? Well, thank you very much, Sam. My answer, simply put yourself in more bread and butter situations. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about bread and butter. That means that you are in position on the flop. You're also the pre-flop raiser and you're up against just one or two players. So it's the most profitable situation to be in. And the reason why is because you have positional and range advantage. And oftentimes, you know, you might have that skill advantage over your opponent as well. All of these advantages are going to help you gain more value from your best hands and also win more pots when you're bluffing. And also being in position just helps you avoid money losing situations as well because you get that uh, additional information after your opponents act. Now it's your turn. You can act. So you can get more bread and butter by playing more hands in the cutoff and the button and don't play them there for like limps and calls, right? You should be open raising uh, 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 isolation raising if somebody else limps in, three betting more as well, because you need to be that pre-flop aggressor for that bread and butter situation. So basically just make more raises than you do calls, right? Uh, and also to avoid those non-bread and butter spots, do not defend your blinds without a good reason. And actually, speaking of just profitable poker, I posted a new video on YouTube this week, and you find you can find a uh, you, you can find a link to it in the show notes page. In the video, I show you how to find which preflop plays are costing you money, and then I also give you some ways that you can turn those costly plays into the more profitable plays. So please check that one out. Question two today is about anonymous tables, and Chris sent this one, and here's what he said. Uh, This is in response to a video I sent him via email. So he said, excellent video. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish I could use the statistical information more, but being that I play on Bovada, the only stats I get are per session stats. So I typically don't have more than 50 hands on a player at any given time. This drastically lowers the reliability of the stats that are shown. Still, the quality of your video and the way you make the material easily understandable is great, so please send more. Well, thank you very much for the kind words and for the question, question, Chris. So, yes, anonymous tables, they can make it tough, but you can still do what I call exploit at the extremes. So if somebody folds versus your steals, or maybe versus your three bets 80% of the time, and if that's four out of five, that's at the extreme high end, right? 
That indicates a player that's willing to fold so you can experiment with steals and re-steals against them because it's high. If it was uh, like half of that, two out of five, 40%, uh, uh, three out of five, 60%, not as good as four out of five, right? Or even five out of five. That indicates they do it way too often. Converse to that, someone at 0% or 20%, let's say it's they fold 0 out of 5 or 1 out of 5, they're not likely to fold. So you want to value raise them bigger instead. Also, keep in mind, position is the most important advantage at the table. And at these um, anonymous tables, when you don't know too much about your opponents, you want to play uh, in position as much as possible. Kind of like in that last question I talked about bread and butter. Go for that bread and butter. Call more when you have position. Defend less out of the blinds. Because uh, if you don't know anything about your opponent, at least you're going to have that post-flop position on them. And another video, I made this one a few weeks ago. I made a video called, You Can Make a Read in Less Than 30 Hands. And so the video is in the YouTube, or the video, the link to the video is in the show notes page. So go there once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 292 to find that video for yourself. Uh, Chris, thank you very much. All right, question three is about robotic play and dealing with anxiety. So Jimmy Fisher sent this one in, and it was a long email But it boils down to the fact that he needs to ditch anxiety from a fear of making mistakes and losing money. He also needs to ditch that robotic play that he suffers from. So my answer to Jimmy is twofold. Number one, remove your hand from your mouse. This gives your brain a little bit of time to think because that timer goes off when you have your hand on your mouse. It's so quick and easy. Just click a button real quick. Click the fold, call, or raise, whatever it might be. And that... By removing your hand from your mouse, it gives your brain a little bit of time to think and communicate with your finger to prevent your emotions from hijacking your finger and causing you to make like terrible decisions due to any anxiety that you might feel. Basically, the more time you have, the more thought you put into your decision, and ultimately the more confidence you have in your chosen play and the better your results are going to be. Now, the second part of this about the robotic play, uh, what I want you to do, Jimmy, and everybody else who plays robotically sometimes, force yourself to ask and answer a question before every button click. This forces you out of that robotic play because you can't play robotically if your mind is working through all the information available at the table, right? You want to think about your options and about what your opponent could be holding. Here are some great questions. And number one is my favorite. What are they doing this with? I consider this poker's ultimate question. You can do this anytime you face a bet or a raise or even a post-flop check. Whatever they do, ask yourself that question and your answer is going to guide your button click. You can also ask a question like, what hands will give me value or what hands are going to fold to my bet? And then before you make a play, especially calling on a on the current street, you might want to ask and answer the question, how do they play the next street? This is going to help you plan for the future. All right, question four today is about dealing with aggressive maniacs. So Brian Hargrove sent this one in. He said, the Zoom poker tables are full of very aggressive players with stats like 45-38 and 50-25. I never know how to play against them. What do I do? Great question, Brian. Uh, My answer is basically do not fight fire with fire. Uh, So many people 
just are ultra aggressive, especially in those Zoom games, right? They want to see a lot of hands. They want to utilize that aggression. aggression. They want to try to push you off your hands. Do not get aggressive right back at them. Your aggression is going to often incentivize them to up the aggression against you. You start three bet bluffing them more, they're going to start four bet bluffing you and possibly even making their open raises bigger to discourage you from making those three bets. Instead, I want you to fight their aggression by tightening up and playing in position. You also want to choose hands that are stronger than their range preflop. So if you know that they have every ace and every king when they open raise from the cutoff because they're just so aggressive, then you want to call on the button. Um, you could three bet, of course, but tighten up a little bit. Um, and don't, like I said, don't fight fire with fire. Call on the button with hands like ace queen, ace jack, ace 10, king queen, hands that are ahead of the majority of their range. That's going to give you that mathematical advantage. Plus, you're doing it from in position. You got that positional advantage as well. And then when you get to post-flop, well, they're aggressive pre-flop. They're probably really aggressive post-flop. And you have position. So just let them spew chips against you. And stay in the pot when you hold a top pair. um, Or, of course, better than top pair, right? Don't try to bluff them if they never find a fold either. If they're the kind of player that's going to bluff the flop but call every raise because they don't want to be bluffed themselves, don't bluff those unbluffable players. All right, after the break, I'll hit you with two more questions and answers. So a few shout-outs today for some super awesome, supportive poker peeps. I love you all. First is Richard Wood and Oscar Van Loesbrook. These two purchased Poker Tracker 4 directly through me. They've heard me talk about it just about every podcast and tons of my YouTube videos. I'm uh, espousing the benefits of Poker Tracker 4. I love it. I don't use any other poker tracking software. It's the number one out there. Uh, so they went to smartpokerstudy.com slash poker tracker 4. And when they made that purchase, Poker Tracker, at no additional charge to them, just made a little kickback to me. So they supported the show and an appreciation for their support. I sent them my smart HUD, which is a custom HUD that I built, 18 uh, elements to the HUD, and then seven additional custom pop-ups as well. So they're going to be using that to exploit their opponents. And then, of course, as always, speaking to the smart HUD, Sue O'Connor, Tom Arnie Kamen, Zach Angel, and Renee D. all purchased it directly from me by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash smarthud. They know it's for Poker Tracker 4, and of course, they already have Poker Tracker 4. They were just missing the best HUD in the business, the smart HUD. So they went to that site, checked out the screenshot, saw what the smart HUD was all about, and they decided to purchase it. So I very much thank all of you for getting that directly through me. Lastly, I want to uh, uh, thank Chris S. I don't want to give his full name because this is a financial thing right here. He supported me by buying Bitcoin through my affiliate link. He went to smartpokerstudy.com slash Bitcoin, and that takes you to the Coinbase site. And when you buy your first $100 in Bitcoin through them, they're going to give you a bonus $10 in Bitcoin and me a bonus $10. So thank you very much, Chris, for doing that. And as you know, Bitcoin is the easiest way to deposit and to withdraw from most online poker sites. So I recommend that you get your Bitcoin through Coinbase. And I totally appreciate it if you get it through me and you get that $10 bonus as well. So once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash Bitcoin. All righty, y'all, let's get back to the final two questions. So question number five is about hand reading in game. And Chuck sent this one in and here's what he said. I am still helpless putting an opponent on a range. I have run through many 
Uh, not all, though, of your days of hand reading videos, and I tried it for myself. But when I get on the felt, it gets fuzzy. Help me! So this is from Chuck. Now, there's a two-part answer for this one, Chuck. Uh, number one is I want you to do 30 days of hand reading exercises with two per day. That's going to take you to 60 full hand reading uh, exercises. Now, in the email, you said that you've run through a lot of my videos and you've, quote, tried it for yourself. But no more trying, right? I want you to become a hand reader. I have a full course on hand reading within the Poker Forge, and that can help you out a lot. But if you simply watch one of my hand reading videos every single day, then you do two hands of your own from your own database. That's perfect. Doing it off the felt like this, it builds an intuition for it on the felt, and you'll gradually learn how to hand read in game. Don't worry that it's fuzzy right now. Eventually, with enough practice, it won't be fuzzy anymore. And now answer number two for you, Chuck, is I want you to create and use range cheat sheets. So you're going to create a full range cheat sheet for different preflop two bet ranges, calling two bet ranges, preflop three bets, and then calling three bet ranges as well. And if you go to the show notes page, wow, video number three today, there's a third video showing exactly how to do this right there uh, with the ranges, show you how to create them and how to use them on the felt as well. This is going to help you in-game put your opponent on a range because you're going to see, oh, they call uh, two bets uh, like 30% of the time. You'll look at your range sheet sheet, which helps you visualize what a 30% calling range is. Bam, that is their range right there. And then now when the flop hits, you assess how well that range that you can visualize right in front of you on a piece of paper, visualize how well it interacts with the board, and then you make your decisions. All right, the sixth and final question is about bet sizing, and this one comes to us from Manny Wilson. Manny says, I feel like I never know what bet size to make any bet or raise. There's so much advice out there, and I've watched tons of videos and I read articles, but I can't seem to get it right. What size should I make my bets and raises? Thank you for that question, Manny. So very, a very simple answer. I'm not going to give you ultra detailed answer where in this situation you make it this size, this situation you make this one, because... The cards are different. The flops are different. The opponents are different. Your position's in position versus out of position. What I want you to do is that you must know what your bet is trying to accomplish, and then your bet size must accomplish that. So let's say you have pocket aces preflop, and you want value out of your opponents, right? Is a two big blind open raise, is that giving you any value? No. Your opponents, when they're calling out of the blinds, they're probably calling two bet, uh, two big blinds the same frequency as three big blinds, right? If you make it only two, you're missing out on some value. So if you look at your opponents in the blinds and you think they can call three, four, even five big blinds when you hold aces, well, you want that value, so you want to bet at the size that's going to give you what you want. What if you wanted to steal? What if you have a, a, a king nine suited and you're opening from the cutoff and you just want to steal those blinds, right? Is two big blinds going to work? Again, probably not. You've probably got to go two and a half, three, three and a half big blinds to get those blinds to steal quite often. So you need to know what you want and then size it to get there. And the basic idea here is that you're trying to hit your opponent's pain threshold. You don't want their call to be super easy on them and you don't want their fold to be super easy as well, right? When you raise it to 12 big blinds with pocket aces, it's really easy for everyone to fold. But when you make it three to four big blinds, it's a little bit tougher, especially for those fishy players, right? Now, if we think about post-flop, 
Oftentimes, half pot bets never hit a pain threshold. And plus, if you bet just half pot or even less than half pot, if someone has a draw, they're always calling and you're not charging them enough to make a mistake by calling with their draw, right? I recommend post-flop most of your bets are going to be about two-thirds pot or more. And if you're making a post-flop raises, raise it to somewhere near the pot. If the pot is 10 big blinds and somebody raises... um or if somebody bets five big blinds and then you raise it to just 10, wow, you're only min-raising it right there. And after you min-raise, that pot is already 25 big blinds. They only have to call five more uh, to try to win that 25. No, no, it's too cheap, right? So most of the time, you've got to raise it up to pot at least. So make it 15 to 20 big blinds if you're raising in that situation. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. I'm sure one of these questions today uh, struck a chord with you. Whichever one it was, take action on the answer I gave in your next play or study sessions. So by doing this, you're going to be taking action and you're going to be working to make yourself 1% better every single day. Now it's your turn to do exactly that. Take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. Alrighty, poker peeps, your learning is not complete until you visit the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 292 for a transcript of today's episode and all three of those videos that I mentioned. And really critical, if you are down for improving your hand reading skills and you want to take action on it, in the Poker Forge, I just put the finishing touches on my full hand reading course. So many videos, 30 days worth of tasks to make you into or to turn you into a poker hand reader. So check it out. Go to thepokerforge.com right now. My other podcast called Daily Poker Tips is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And to subscribe, just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. Music.